What's going on, everybody? You are now tuned into the Gridiron Guys podcast with your boy Sean Pesos. And your boy Russ Digi. What's going on, sir? Nothing much, bro. Another week of football. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a bad one for your boy, but we're going to get there. Same here, but in, in another way. Yeah. But let's get right into it. We got fantasy football. How'd you do this week? Man, I did pretty good. I was able to pull out a win, man. So that's always exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I was happy about that. I think the biggest thing that uh, that, that we had going on this week is a lot of people put up some big numbers, man. So I'm going to run off some of these scores, man, and then we'll go from there. So I played Rancho Cucamonga. Uh, I'm California Gold Glocks. We won 129 to 117. Uh, boy, Big Sadi Cool Diesel, he won 184 to 164 against the Denver Maserati boys. My boy, uh, my boy Greg, oh yeah, the beach, he lost to Team Jackson. Team Jackson won 125 to 94. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> now, the big game of the week, man. Shout out to my boy Aaron and the Congolese Originals. 200 points. Oh. <laughs> he won 200 to 100 against the Warview Hot Boys. Go see who was on his team. I'm going to run that joint down a little bit. I'm going to discuss it. In the, last game, <laughs> in the last game was uh, Gold Blood Drip against you. The Dirty Birds 98 rise up 98. He won 106-103 in a tight game, man. So that was the round out the week. Man, <clears throat> I was so upset I lost. <laughs> So upset. I had Julio caught that touchdown pass, which I'll talk about later, I would have won the game. Yeah, that's the tough part, man. And you know what was so funny? He texted me earlier that day to say, man, guess who picked up Jordan Reed in the fantasy group? I was like, who, Sean? He was like, nah, your boy Gold Blood Drip. And Jordan <laughs> Reed went off. Went crazy. Man, so it looked like it was a great one, man. But, you know, definitely got to give it to the player of the week. The player of the week, of course, was my boy Aaron with the Congolese Originals, man. It didn't matter who he played. You know what I mean? He was putting up 200, and that was the high score of the week. But just to add insult to injury, you never really see a lot of round numbers. And mm-hmm. so for it to be 200 to 100, that was just crazy. Um, his high point score was Dak Prescott. And the interesting part about that is he is um, – He's got Russell Wilson on his fantasy team. So he was telling me that he had to pick between, you know, starting Russell or Dak. And kind of like, you know, in that debate, he went with Dak. And that proved to be like a really good move for him. You know, sidebar, that was unfortunate for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dak put up 53 points in fantasy, which is just nuts. So, man, we had a great, uh, we had a great fantasy. Uh, is that the high for the, for the first, for the league? I think the 200 is the highest it's gone. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's put up more than 200 this uh, this season so far. It's still early, man. But, you know, it's going to be hard to even top that. Whenever you see somebody get 200 points, you, you've had multiple people in uh, in double figures, and you usually have a high point score like that. Yeah. One player getting you 53 points, man, that's, that's insane. But um, it was definitely one of those situations where he had Dalvin Cook, that got him 16. Uh, David Montgomery, who I believe got hurt, right? Uh, no, he wasn't on the injury list. Okay. He might have got something. hurt, but I think he, he might have got hurt in the game. Yeah, yeah, he got flipped over. Like, he got flipped up, but he had 21 points. Mm-hmm. He had Mike Evans, who had 23 points. Keenan Allen, 16. Darren Waller, he's a Raiders fan, so Darren Waller just was a double bonus for him. He had 28 points. Stephon Diggs at the flex had 29 points. 
the Vikings D didn't do nothing for him. They had three points, and then he had Zerline in the Cowboys game, got him 11 points. Yo, it never ends for me. I said, <clears throat> already. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, man. Shout out to Aaron. It was a great week of yeah, fantasy, salute. man. But, yeah. you know, speaking of fantasy, a lot of these injuries are going to change that going forward. It's going to be haywire for the next couple of weeks. Man, yes, it is, man. Uh, we got a really long fantasy, uh, well, really long injury list if you want to run that down for me. Okay, let's get to the biggest injuries. These are the ones that are, you know, they're done for the year. We're going to start off with my guy, Saquon Barkley, who tore his ACL. Unfortunate. <laughs> but a little bit of a side note with that, Devontae Freeman is going to sign with the Giants pending his physical and COVID-19 test results. That's a good look for Devontae, man. That's a good look for Devontae. It was very sad because um, when I was watching that game, I saw a little bit of it. It looked like Saquon had hyperextended his elbow before and he was going to come out of the game, mm-hmm. only to come back in the game and have the actual knee injury, man. You could tell when that big grown man is laying on his stomach, pounding against the, the ground, you know it's something real. Yeah, I called this two years ago. Like, they're going to run Saquon into the ground until he's no more. And unfortunately, it reared its ugly head. Yeah, that's unfortunate. <clears throat> but uh, Malik Hooker, the Colts' safety, tore his Achilles. Mm. Anthony Barr, the Vikings linebacker, tore his pectoral muscle. Cortland Sutton, the Broncos' wide receiver, tore multiple ligaments in his knee. They don't even know what the pinpoint cause of that is, so that's crazy. Bruce Irvin tore his ACL. Solomon Thomas and Nick Bosa both tore their ACLs. Yeah, and, and then we have those who are missing significant time. Like they're not done for the season, but they're going to miss some time. Mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey is missing up to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. Brandon Scherf, the Washington guard, is missing three to five weeks with an MCL sprain. Paris Campbell, the Colts wide receiver, has a PCL injury, but they haven't decided on how much time he could possibly miss. Drew Locke, the promising quarterback for Denver, is going to miss maybe two to six weeks with a shoulder injury to his throwing shoulder. Your boy Garoppolo is day-to-day right now, but he could also miss multiple weeks with a high ankle sprain. Another 49er, my former guy, Tevin Coleman, is going to miss multiple weeks with a knee injury. Caleb McGarry, Atlanta's right tackle, could miss a week or two with a sprained MCL. And the oddest injury of all to me was Tyrod Taylor, the quarterback of the L.A. Chargers. He's going to miss multiple weeks because he had a bad reaction to a rib injection, which I've never heard of that before. Me neither. It was, it was crazy. And it had to happen, you know, right before game time because Herbert had no clue he was about to go out there until, like, right before kickoff. Right. Which, for me, I feel for Tyrod because it's like every stop he goes to is always something that prevents him from shining. Yeah, it's tough, man, because he always puts himself in a position on a team where you know they're going to need uh, – uh, they got a young quarterback and they end up drafting that QB and then that pressure is on in a different way. So it's just unfortunate. Yeah. So yeah. with all those injuries to your team, we might as well just jump right on into it. Yeah, man. So we played the Jets this week, man, and, you know, we were looking for a win. And I don't think anybody was more eager to go into week two than the 49ers fans because – it was one of those cupcake games, you know, one of the games that you look at it as just like a layup. Like, all right, man, we got the Jets. We can go in, pad our stats, get a nice little little win in, and, you know, build from that. 
Mm-hmm. Man, that thing turned out to be a nightmare. You know, at the beginning of the game, it was all fool's goal, man. We get a ball to Raheem Mostert, first play, 80 yards, boom, I'm cooking in fantasy. 49ers up, 7 nothing. Everything is great. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, man, we just start dropping like flies, man. You know, we had the Bosa injury. We had the Garoppolo injury. We had the Mostert injury. Of course, Tevin Coleman got hurt in that game, and we're already dealing with Kittle, Richard Sherman, Debo Samuel hasn't played yet this year. You know, it's just a lot of people, and I'm not even naming everybody. You know, Solomon Thomas, in addition, got hurt that game. But the, the, the crazy part with the Bosa injury, of course, was in all the injuries that I saw this week, <clears throat> But especially on my team, because that was the games I the game I was watching. You saw these grown men laying on the ground in a different type of way, like not like you've never seen before. But it wasn't the the nagging or the limping or the. It was like it was the injury like, happened. I'm and done. Incapacitated. Right. Right. And so the whole situation was just like sad because you know they they got the cart for Bosa. Mm-hmm. So as soon as the cart came out there, I've seen Bosa limp off the field plenty of times. I've seen him hurt his hand or hurt his wrist and run straight to the sideline. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not that he's not tough, but, you know, he reacts to his injury. So I'm just hoping, like, okay, man, he fell down, went down awkwardly. Man, it's not too good. When they brought that cart out. Yeah, once they bring optimistic. the cart out, you know it's a done deal. Yeah, man, I'm not optimistic at all. You know what I'm saying? It's not that they can't. It, you know, they haven't brought the card out and people have been okay, but wasn't optimistic at all. Same thing with Solomon Thomas, man. Solomon Thomas hurts himself. He rolls over. Um, Jimmy looked like he hurt himself a couple of times during the game. So I don't even think that the high ankle sprain was like a, I got a high ankle sprain and I'm done. I think it happened like several plays before because he was kind of gingerly limping around mm. and then he got hit again and it was just too bad. Like, yo, this thing hurts. Like, I, can't, I can't function on it, right? Yeah. So, man, you know, Hurts. I, like I said, man, we won 31-13, man, but we really lost. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you won the I, battle, but you lost the war. Man, definitely, definitely. So um just looking at everything, man, I kinda I kinda hope that we can we can really, you know, put something together, man. But you don't want to rush any of these guys back because that's how they get injured some more. So mm-hmm. Richard Sherman's already slated to miss a couple weeks. Debo was scheduled to come back. Um, Kittle, they're saying he could come back, but I kind of want him to just chill out this game. Yeah, I wouldn't. You know? Who do y'all play next? We play the Giants at the same field. So that's the other argument. Oh, Eric Armstead tweeted that night, like, yo, the NFL needs to take a look at this field. It was just too sticky. Uh, we had some players out there that said, um, you know, that the field was definitely sticky. Uh, mm-hmm. Some Jets players commented that they were getting their butts kicked so bad that they didn't notice that the field was sticky. You know what I mean? And I respect that. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the, um, you know, when it's a lot of tackiness on the field, man, that's when it causes the injuries because you're not able to pull up. And yeah, I don't know. You can't stop on the dime like you typically yeah. able to do. Yeah. So um, I watched the uh, the press conference Kyle Shanahan had yesterday. Um, and he was just basically saying that Jimmy Garoppolo is a tough guy. And um, there's a possibility that he could play Sunday if he wanted to, you know what I'm saying? But he's not rushing him back, and that'll mm-hmm. be Jimmy's decision, and that's why he's considered day-to-day. Um, okay. But to be perfectly honest with you, man, I'd rather just run Nick Mullins out there, not because I want Nick Mullins to get hurt, mm-hmm. because I'd rather Jimmy just get a little bit of rest and be able to chill and not have that pressure and press too hard to get another win against the Giants, man. We just see what happens, you know? Right. So, man. Yeah, man. I guess uh, my Sunday – well, no, my Sunday was that bad. So. Nah, man, it's not. Yo, you still got a team. <laughs> you 
<laughs> when y'all suit up and kick, man, Julio's there. Calvin Ridley's there. Right. Matt we'll, Ryan's there. We'll, we'll get to Julio's status in a second. He's there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? In that aspect, yeah, it's like me losing Grady, Jared, and Debo, and and a couple of other guys. In this. yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, but I mean, let's let's address the elephant in the room. <laughs> My guys, the Atlanta Falcons, travel to uh, Arlington to take on the Cowboys. Going in, I was like, okay. Last game, we played against the Seahawks. They torched us. But I felt like if the offense could get it together and the defense did things in the first half that, you know, I was like, okay, it's improvement there. So I'm like, Russell is better than Dak, hands down. So we can if we can get the Russell. I know we can get the Dak because Dak's decision making is questioning questionable at times. I'm like okay, so we come out, we immediately start getting turnovers. And if you know the Atlanta Falcons history, we are inept at getting turnovers. So we get three turnovers. We turn those turnovers into points. So I'm like okay, this is going great, way better than I expected. We're containing uh, Zeke. Dak can't get off. We're we're covering downfield like. At this point, I'm like, what can go wrong? But in the back of my mind, I'm like, this is the Falcons. It can all go wrong. So we get to halftime. It's 29 to 10. I'm not concerned at the moment because we're still, you know, doing decent. So second half comes. Dallas gets a little momentum, but we're still up far enough to where we don't have to start worrying yet. And then the fourth quarter comes. And by this time, we put up more points. We got more of a lead. So I'm like, okay, it was 36 to 24 at the time. I'm like, okay, we're, we're good. There's no way that we can lose this game with less than eight minutes to go. So Dallas comes down. They score 39 to 30. I'm like, all right, cool. All we got to do at this time, I'm thinking clock management. Get the ball. Run this bitch. Make them use their timeouts. Game over. We didn't do that. I mean, we ran the ball, but it wasn't effective. So I'm like, okay, well, we took enough time off the clock to where they still had to score and then get the ball back to even have a chance. So I'm like, all right. They come down. Score very fast, by the way. Like they boom, 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 end zone. Yeah. So now it's 39 to 37 with a minute and 41 seconds to go, I believe. Yeah. Now, before I go into this, because you know where I'm going, you know the rules of an onside kick, correct? Of course. Can you relay those to me, just in case I'm a little rusty on that? It's very simple. The kicking team may not touch the ball until it crosses the 10, or it crosses, goes past 10 yards. Now, with the, the scary to cut you out, the new rule they put in that the, normally the kicking team can run as soon as the ball gets kicked, but they can't even run. Right, right, right. At least five yards. Right, right. So that in turn means that it's a kickoff. Even though it's an onside kick, the the receiving team can do whatever they want to do. They can get the it scope after of, two yards, correct? Exactly. As soon as that ball is okay. kicked, they can run forward if they wanted to. They can do anything when it comes to pursuing the ball outside of a foul or flag. Okay. Now, we both established this, and neither one of us has played in the league. I've never even played organized football in my life, but I know this for a fact. When the onside kick comes, you can jump on it. Yeah. 
Now, what took place? I have never seen in my 33 years of watching or playing football. I agree. So, Zerline doesn't use a T, which is smart, puts it on the side. He kicks it. It's going and going. And I'm just watching Julio Jones, Hayden Hurst, Sherrod Naisman, and two other Falcons stare at the ball. Matter of fact, it's like, you know how you used to be in the club and people start dancing and they form a circle? That's how they were around the ball. There was not one cowboy in the vicinity of getting the ball while this ball is traveling five to seven yards. It's still going. So I'm just sitting there like, okay, jump on the ball. Jump on the ball. Why are we not jumping on the ball? Ball just happens to travel 10 yards. And the first person to grab it is the cowboy. I'm like, no, no, no. Don't tell me that just happened. Yep. You cannot. I'm not going to, I'm not going to relay the expletives that I was letting go at this time. Cause mind you, I'm watching the game in the middle of the mall. (laughs) So, I'm in the middle of the store, cursing up a storm. People are looking at me like I've lost my marbles. But I'm like, somebody grabbed the ball. Yeah. That's the the highest level of frustration. Just get the ball. They had one timeout left. Dallas had one timeout. Get the ball. We can kneel down for the next three plays. Yep. 100 and game's over. Right. It's a last-ditch effort. This is their last this is their last shot. Kick the onside kick, hope to get it, and still have to get points. You still have to go about 40 yards, or not even. For them, uh-huh. in that situation, you had to get at least 20 to 25 yards to get in field goal range. So we make this play. We, we don't make this play. They get the ball. My thing is, okay, don't let them get behind you, but also don't let them get anywhere just just get yards, chew up yards. So play up, but play smart. Do we do that? No. <laughs> what do we do? We go to zone where everything underneath <laughs> is open. It's free. <laughs> so you get five yards here, 11 yards there. You got a quick 20, 30 yards in a matter of 20 to 25 seconds. Mm-hmm. You run another play and then... They call a timeout. It's about three seconds left. He's already in field goal range. Yep. Game over. Yep. After the offense puts up 39 points. Yeah, man. I got some things I want to point out here. I made a long list. <laughs> long list. Now, I said I was going to rant, but my stress level doesn't need to be that high. <laughs> but I'm just going to point out some things. Dan okay. Quinn, some time management. Is atrocious. I've never seen a coach with this bad of a rep when it comes to time management. He called a timeout before the onside kick. Uh huh. Now, now that I know this, I'm thinking, okay, you know, an onside kick is coming. So, logically speaking, you would tell the team if they kick this ball, get on it and get on it fast so we can get out of here. Yep. And Dan Quinn, after the game, said that the players knew the rules. Of course so they do. If the players knew the rules and you're the head coach, why did you not drill this into them to get on the ball? Uh, I don't know, man. In that situation, I don't know if I can blame Dan Quinn for that, but I will I will get to Dan Quinn once you're done. I'll blame the special teams coach, and then I'll blame the head coach. Because even though the special teams coach, that's his – 
expertise. Dan Quinn also knows the rules of the game as well. As the head coach, you're supposed to oversee everything. Right. I think he knows the rules, and I think everybody was confident that the players know the rules. I think the biggest part is the players folded in that situation, which is on the head coach. So by proxy, yeah. And another thing, outside of that play, this should have this game should have never been in contention from halftime. That's the key. We had a 19-point lead. And the defense gives up 35 plus points for the second week in a row. Yep. Now, it's a total of 78 points in two weeks. Dan Quinn is a supposedly defensive guru. That's the, there you go. Now you're hitting the points. And then he puts Raheem Morris in the defensive coordinator position, who was a head coach and a wide receivers coach. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really know defense like that. It depends, man. It depends. You know, a lot of these coaches, man, that's like Eric Mangini went through that. You know what I mean? He was like an offensive uh, coordinator, and then he came to San Fran. He was a defensive coordinator. I'm not going to really put it on Raheem too much, man. But, yeah, we're going to get to it. I'm going to let you get off. No, I I put it on Raheem because at the end of last season to prepare, the team was pretty much the same outside of a couple of draft picks on defense anyway. And, And a couple of, and one addition, two additions. The team's pretty much the same. You have to figure out a scheme and put those players in the scheme to win. Okay. I follow where you're coming from, but I got I I guess I'm looking at it a little different. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what I mean? So the way I the way I kind of look at it is like this. And this isn't, you know, shooting y'all any bail or anything, but it's the second game of the season. You haven't really had contact like that and from the defensive standpoint you're not fresh when it comes to hitting like when you're practicing all the practice is geared toward the offense benefiting it you can't touch the quarterback the quarterback can get a rhythm by throwing to the receivers you're not really tackling so you're not practicing the one thing you want to do it's almost like a boxer going to the boxing gym and practicing footwork jumping rope practicing defensive drills and not getting the punch You know what I mean? When you're a defender, you want to be able to hit. And the only way to keep hitting and getting that good hitting rhythm is to keep hitting. (laughs) I get that. Here's why I can continue. Go ahead. No, so all all I'm saying is, in a way, I've seen a lot of that when it comes to defenses across the league, not just Mm y'all. You know what I mean? True. But, yeah, they don't get to hit, but where's the technique? You got to practice it. Like, we, that's the thing. We don't have a preseason. So all the stupid yeah. stuff that we would have seen in preseason, that would have worked itself out for at least a good month in addition Ooh. to some of the practices that we would have seen to kind of help. I blame Dan Quinn. Okay, get there. Because after this, I'm switching the offense. So go ahead. Make, all right, so this is the whole thing, man. Point. <clears throat> the whole meltdown in any situation, whether we talk about the Super Bowl or we talk about this game, it's Dan Quinn's leadership. It's Dan Quinn not having that fiery personality. It's him not having that 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 steam and that anger that a lot of coaches have once they get up. Like you watch Sean McVay on that sideline, you watch Pete Carroll on that sideline, and I'm not I'm not just not naming coaches in my division, but they're fiery, man. You know, Vic Fangio. Kyle Shanahan, a couple of those guys, they got fined for not even wearing their mask because they're doing so much talking. Sean Payton, Bill Sean Bill Payton, Bill. right. And so when you see Dan Quinn, he just doesn't have the demeanor to inspire. He doesn't have the demeanor to make players feel like they need to be accountable to him. 
Which makes That's his biggest it makes flaw. me question how much of a hand did he really have in that defense in Seattle? It was probably an X's and O's thing. The fire came from Pete Carroll. And the players, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's, it's no yeah, different. Than, that's that's how it is. Like, you got the onside kick situation coming. You got ballers out there that want to get it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it could just been a different team and they would have been more aggressive. You know, that just speaks to the aggression that comes out of the Falcons organization. And that starts with Dan Quinn, man. Truthfully, that starts with ownership because Arthur Blank isn't really aggressive. I mean, but that that depends. That depends. I mean, you could say that, but at the same token, this we got. I don't know, man. I don't know if Robert Kraft's aggressive. <laughs> you know what I mean? You like, might have to call Shanahan. That's an aggressive move. I mean, yeah. I mean, it just it just depends, man. I mean, at the end of the day, I kind of look at it like this. That's that's the biggest takeaway that I got from this game. Mm-hmm. Y'all got to get rid of Dan Quinn. Which does, which is why I say. Uh, Arthur Blank isn't aggressive because Jim Moore Jr. That's a good point. Once he missed two years in the playoffs, he was fired. Same thing with Mike Smith. He missed back-to-back years in the playoffs, he was fired. Dan Quinn just missed two years. Despite of us going 6-2 and on the last eight, he should have been going at the end of last season. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. And I also noticed, somebody pointed this out to me, that since Matt Ryan's been drafted, he's only had defensive coordinators as head coaches. Right. He's never had an offensive yeah. guy. Yeah. I, I, I've realized that. <clears throat> and the defenses with those two defensive coordinators have always been garbage. Mm-hmm. They've been top 10 once, and that was tw- 2017? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, yeah. But now it's flipping to the offense. The offense finally got it together. Mm-hmm. But there are certain points in times had we been a little more aggressive, a little more crisp, which goes back to what you were saying about not having the preseason. This game would have been out of hand and it would have been no way to come back. Y'all put up 39 points, though, man. Like, True. You can't, you- I, can't, I can't even blame the offense. No, I'm not blaming them at all. Yeah, man. Not blaming them at all. But They look good. They look good. Calvin really is. Monster, man. I just regret not betting on him again this year. Like, I usually went early and took Calvin Ridley. And this year, I was just kind of like looking at other names. I was so enamored with DeAndre Hopkins going over there to Arizona, which paid Mm -hmm. off, you know. And I guess my main thing was like that third receiver that I always would pick. Like, Mm -hmm. I picked Odell and I picked Thielen in some leagues. Mm -hmm. That should have been my Ridley pick, man. I should have bet on him. He's balling, man. He's got he's got he's leading the league in t- well he's not leading the league he's tied for the league in touch, touchdown receptions yeah and, and he's it's just over a hundred yards multiple TD games just cleaning up but I don't want to rain on his parade but a lot of that is due to Julio getting bracketed I would love to see how once either we move on from Julio or he retires how Raiders going to do not saying he won't still produce. I think, and this is just me, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people look at Julio Jones and they get enamored with his physical, you know, abilities. Mm-hmm. And they look at him as a different type of player. They think that he can do everything. But his Achilles heel, in my opinion, has always been catching touchdowns and putting himself in position to catch touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Calvin Ridley is one of those players that puts himself in position to catch touchdowns. Like, we all running routes here, but when you look at my route and how I'm running my shit, 
I'm available to catch this ball. He's going to the top flight. You know what I'm saying? Because he's obviously not the first read every time. You know, no. some plays probably is, but the most plays, that's going to Julio. Oh, that ain't working. But look, Calvin, wide open. Calvin, yak yards. Calvin, sure hands. Like, so I'd look at Calvin Ridley as one of those players. Like, there's plenty of tandems out there. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin were able to eat. You know what I mean? Juju and Antonio Brown, when they were together, were able to eat. True. You got to be able to eat, Julio. <laughs> True, but that leads me to my next thing. Julio has always been played by injury every single season. If it's not his toe, it's a wrist. It's a knee. Now he's dealing with a hamstring injury that he could – he really – if you looked at the game, you noticed he wasn't really running his top speed. Right. Because his hamstring is bothering him, which – I'm not going to say that's an excuse. He still should have called that touchdown pass. But yeah. regular, uninjured Julio, he would have called that in stride and it would have been finished. But again, that goes back to us not having a preseason. That's the number one uh, yeah. wide receiver injury of the of the preseason. Anytime we have one is the hamstring. Wide mm-hmm. receivers are always sitting out of preseason games. Wide receivers are always hampered. I mean, like week one, week two, we're suffering from a hammy. Like, it just happens. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I, I get that, you know, but... It's just tough, man. It's unfortunate right now. Only thing that is fortunate, which we'll talk about in a minute, is that other teams lost mm-hmm. in the division. So we're not too far out of it. Nah, not at all. But I do want to say something about this game before we leave it, man. Okay. Um, I got to give Cowboys props, man. And I, and I say that because, you know, a lot of people sit up here and the popular opinion is that Atlanta lost that game. And I honestly feel like Dallas won that game. And I only say that due to the fact that you start off with a deficit like that when your star running back is fumbling twice. You know, nobody can seem to hold on to the ball at home. That was a really impressive game for Dak Prescott to put the team on his back and everybody to persevere and push through. You know what I'm saying? Because you could easily just say, all right, we just we go out next week. Mm-hmm. You know, or you could have easily came with like a, a sloppy game playing, not played it all the way through. So for them to do that, you know, we could blame y'all. The onside kick thing was stupid. But everything it took to get up to that point was just Dallas fighting hard. So I respect that. I respect them for fighting. But at the same time, in our position, you're supposed to crush them. Like, leave them no hope. That's, that's coaching, bro. That's coaching to me. That's what I've been saying. Like That's coaching to me. It, since we started this podcast, I said the downfall of my team is going to be coaching. It'll never yeah, be talent. It'll always be coaching. Yeah. And that's, that's rearing right. its ugly head once again. That's real. But we got Chicago this week. I said in my Atlanta Falcons group on Facebook, I said if we lose to Trubisky and the Bears, I'm clocking out this season. It's tough, man. It's clocking out. It's a tough game, man. It's, it's a tough, tough game, game just due to the defense. And not only that, it's always tough when you're playing an opponent that everybody thinks you should beat, but they're not just an easy team to beat. And the Bears seem to be that way this year. And they are too, no. So I had to respect that. In both games, I thought, eh, the Bears, you know, it's cool. You know, Mm -hmm. like not thinking one way or the other. And they find ways to win. So it's going to be a tough game for y'all, man. Yeah, it it shouldn't be. But yeah, we'll we'll get there, though. We'll get there. Now, let's venture out west. To your neck of the woods. Mm -hmm. Talk about your rivals. Yeah. Um, I'm going to just go ahead and say it, man. The NFC West is the toughest, the most skilled, the most competitive division in the NFL. 
and it is scary this year. Now, normally I would I would say like, no, we're right there with you, but I can't I can't argue with this. I can't argue with it right now. It is scary. These injuries that we received. It scares me so much because it's like, other than the fact that we're playing a couple of lame duck teams, respectfully, um, I would be fearful that if we get two or three games behind our division leaders, it's a wrap. There's no, there's no playoffs easily, for you. Man, the winner of the division is probably going to go 14 and two. At, at, 13 worst, and 13, three. at worst, 13 and three. And I think the team that might be behind them may be 12 and four, depending upon how it all shakes out. And then the third team may be 10 and six, 11 and five. It's just that or real. nine, nine and seven to still make the playoffs. It's just that real, man. Like the Rams, they look crazy right now. The Seahawks, they look crazy. Arizona, we could have beat them in that game, but that's not even the point. The point is they look good. You know yeah, what I mean? Arizona doesn't look like the same old Arizona. No, sir. And I had a feeling that was going to be the case with DeAndre Hopkins, man. I knew that pickup was going to be so critical to that team. It was just going to boost them into the upper echelon of the division, like fighting for it. You know what I mean? And we're supposed to be the pride of the division, but you know Russell Wilson ain't going nowhere. Right. You know what I mean? The Rams, they fell off a little bit last year. They get rid of Gurley. They get rid of some other players. You think that's going to affect them. They look better than ever. Jalen Ramsey. Aaron Donald, they killing like you would have thought they would have killed last year. You know what I'm saying? But now they done had a year to at least talk the scheme and understand the playbook. You know what I mean? Because it wasn't really any practicing. So yeah. I say I'll let to get to the Seahawks versus the New England Patriots game. Which is a good game. I thought that was a very entertaining game, man. That was that was probably the best game, you know, not from a fan perspective, because you know, it's always fun when you watch your team no matter who they play. Mm-hmm. But just insofar as just objectively looking at a game and saying, Man, this game is exciting. Mm-hmm. It was back and forth. It was good offensive plays, good defensive plays. Russell Wilson is out there. Russell Wilson, he's got Cam nine. is looking like the old Cam. Yeah, man. You know, and it's just, it's great. So, I mean, the way I look at it, um, at the end of the game, you know, I'm just, I don't have to go back and forth for plays. At the end of the game, I understood why they ran the ball, you know, and they were trying to punch it in real quick. Kind of feel like that was some good misdirection that could have happened in that situation. I, I felt a play action would have got it done. That's what I felt when it happened. If you didn't have a play uh, play action, you could have done the RPO. You know could've what I mean? A, a rear naked, then naked bootleg. Exactly, some form of misdirection. It was just too much testing going on in that situation to say, "Yo, we about to line up." You know what I'm saying? Big package pause, and we about to just run Cam through the line like, "Nah, like, be this like, the NFC West, bro." Like That's Seattle, all we do. Seattle ain't chump like that. I can tell you firsthand experience. Not, not only are they not chump like that, they've been in that situation several times. When you play the 49ers and you get in a situation like that, what are we gonna try to do? Run the ball. When you play Arizona like that in those situations, what you think Arizona was gonna do back in the day? They had David Johnson. Now they got Kenyon Drake. You know what I mean? They would try to run the ball. The Rams used to have Gurley. Now they got Malcolm Brown and some other backs, Henderson and whatnot. They're gonna try to run the ball, but all we do is do that part. So I know that Cam had some success with it early, but with the chips on the line, man, that defense was ready for action. Yeah. You know? So I, I even even with LOB being dead, I still envy that defense. I mean, once they got Prez, man, you know, it was it was what it was, man. You know, like I've always been a a fan of uh 
Jamal, man. I've always been a fan of Jamal Adams, you know, ever since his LSU days. That's kind of mm-hmm. like my SEC team. You know what I mean? Not that, that I like them, but that's just the one that I watch. Like, I don't want to see Bama win. I hate the Florida Gators. You right. know what I mean? Got family in Louisiana, lived in Louisiana for a little bit. So it's kind of like, okay, man, Tigers can do that thing when they're over there. Like, when they play us, fuck them. But right, right. Cool, do your thing. Man, when they said he was going there, I was like, man, this is some bullshit. Not only no, did I... No. Your reaction is the same reaction I had. I'm like, God damn. Yo, man, like, we can't get him back. Come on, bro. And I knew it, man. He came there and fit right in. He's a problem over there. I, I knew once he, I was like, he was our problem with the Jets. Yeah. He's that saving grace of that defense. I'm like, why can't just all the beasts stay in the AFC? Why they all got to come here? So I'm like, damn, on top of that defense, which is decent, yeah, I just got a boost of confidence, which is going to make them play insane. Yeah, because what you got to do in that situation, and I hope a lot of teams understand this, the way you beat Jamal Murray is keep his not, ass not Jamal, back there. As, not Jamal uh, Murray. Not Murray. Murray, my boss. <laughs> Jamal, Jamal, Adam, Jamal, Jamal Murray been balling so much, and that's my birthday buddy, man. He's Jamal on the brain right now. <laughs> like that Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook thing. You're right, right. But yeah, Jamal Adams. My, my thing with Jamal Adams is what you got to do you got to keep him out there to play, play the safety position. That's you how I'm getting ready to say. Passes. If you notice that pass to Edelman, that's how you cook him. You got to cook him. Anytime you do all that running. And you got to keep him in the back where he can play his actual position and not play the, the quote-unquote yep. linebacker position. That's where we failed first week. We didn't test him enough. That's how you want that's what he wants to do. All his ass wants to do is sit up there and play fake linebacker. And y'all had the weapons to send his ass out. I would have, man, I'd have sent so many goddamn go routes on his ass. He would have been tired. <laughs> like, guess go, what? One of us go, going. Julio's going. <laughs> Next listen, one. Ridley's going. <laughs> go routes. Had a running back run a Texas route. Like, any one of those. He wanted to blitz. Right post. Send somebody right behind him. He want to blitz. Somebody quick right behind him. Boom. And you got the weapons. You got Hayden Hurst. You can run that post, all of that shit. So, you know, at the yeah. end of the day, man, it was a good game, man. It was interesting. Uh, like I said, Seattle, they look like they're, they're, um, they're going to really fight. I told my boy, who's a Seahawks fan, they're, they're going to be a problem this year. Not I mean, you know, they all – yeah, they're always a problem, man. But it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out because that man, Russell Wilson, already has nine TDs only one interception, which really wasn't his fault. DK Metcalf is coming into his own, which is helping Tyler Lockett be more consistent. And it's just, you got to keep your eyes on them boys, man. And then you got the running back so we can get it, get it going at any time. Yeah, and they the weak links to me. By yeah. comparison. By you, know, I, you know, our guy is over there, Trav. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, they, they the weak link. They the weak yeah. link over there, but now that Russell is getting cooking, that NFC West is going to be a bloodbath. Yeah. So, and then uh, I guess that leads us to our last game. Monday night. Which which I know that makes you happy. <laughs> it 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 makes, it takes some of the sting off of, of us losing, but we're still, we still have an uphill climb, uphill climb, but the, the Saints travel to Vegas. I'm still not calling them the Vegas Raiders. I'm still calling them Oakland. Cause that's the only Raiders I know. That Vegas shit sound hard though, man. Vegas Raiders, I like it. <laughs> Look, man, Vegas is too pretty for for the Raiders. They got to be in the down dirty. <laughs> hey, 
Hey man, you might be right, but at the end of the day, they played dirty, and man, that stadium is sick. Yeah, can I be transparent? I was a little jealous. I'm a little jealous. Okay. Who wouldn't be? I'm like, just two years ago, three years ago, we was getting all the praise for having a dope stadium. Now here comes SoFi Stadium and Allegiant Stadium. Just to, it seemed like they whooped our ass, took what we did and turned it against us and whooped our ass. Yeah, man, it's really tough, man. I mean, we had that situation when we got Levi's Stadium. I was all happy because I'm like, yeah, man, Levi's, that's dope. You know what I'm saying? And they were like, yeah, we built this state-of-the-art. It's more about technology than size, blah, 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 blah. Look at the stadium. It's cool. You know what I mean? Y'all build y'all joint. Y'all steal the Mercedes-Benz joint from New Orleans. I thought that was hilarious. (laughs) But y'all made y'all own dome. Like, not the Superdome part, but just the Mercedes-Benz part of it. I was like, yo, boy, these boys be battling. Sponsors, bro. We ain't got no control over that. Yeah, but still hilarious, right? But it's different. Like, cool. the di- I'm, I'm, I'm about to send the shot. The differences between that bum ass stadium and ours, we actually got Mercedes Benzes in there. I mean, that's cool. But no, I ain't hating. The, the, the new Georgia Dome is fire. I'm not, I'm not dissing it at all. The new Georgia Dome, I like that. <laughs> yeah, but man, pss, you see oh, that Raiders joint? That's yeah. Just the fact that it's black like that, like it's just blacked out. Like you can't yeah. see in the joint. It's like tinted windows. You can't yeah, see in there. No, nah, you can't. And that's the crazy part about it, man. My bro Aaron, he had been talking about this the whole time, man. Like, mm-hmm. especially before COVID hit, we were going to go to Vegas and everything. He was hoping that he'd be able to catch a game. But regardless, we were going to go peep the stadium. You know, you see the YouTube clips of everything, how it's getting built and time-lapsed and mm-hmm. everything's all fast. And you see some tours, man. It's an amazing-looking facility, man. And mm-hmm. the craziest part about it is every time they put that overhead view, man, Vegas just looked like, a regular, like, build-a-city situation, and then you got that big-ass sofa joint right there, like, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, Legion Stadium looks nuts, man. But let's get to the actual game. Yeah. So, I feel the Saints got exposed, and and I'll list those reasons now. So, the Saints can't handle a good rushing attack, I see. Like, if you have good running back... I don't think they ever could. No, at a at a point in time, maybe one to two years ago, they could they could hold up against the run, but now, no. Josh Jacobs mm-hmm. was putting in work last night. Well, he's official, man. He is. He's official. He's official. I'm officially starting to see the decline of Drew Brees. His arm is not where it used to be, <clears throat> at all. And yeah. the biggest factor of them all, Michael Slant Thomas, him missing made the offense look very, very pedestrian. But that's that's it's, that's true, but that's unfair, too, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, when you take the play, like, all right, it's one thing to take a team's best player, right? Okay. But then when you take the person that's arguably the best wide receiver in the league, so that would be him, that would be Julio for y'all. Be D-Hop. <laughs> D-Hop, and that's it. That's why yeah. I'm stopping. Yeah, yeah. I'm stopping there not because the other people aren't talented. I'm just talking about no, they're, they're another level, right? Well, just and, and just how they produce. You know what I mean? The way they produce and how much they produce for their teams is just different than just the ability that a particular player might have, like a Mike Evans or somebody like that. Right. We're just talking about production. Mm-hmm. He catches so many receptions and he does so much that it's 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 entirely. 
feasible for your team to just look like butt when you're you're first playing them the first time. Like Keyshawn was explaining something on their show this morning where he was talking about how the, the two errant passes that they were saying were Drew Brees' fault. It wasn't Drew Brees' fault. It was like, one, the tight end, he was supposed to keep running. That's why Drew Brees flew the ball out, but the tight end stopped. He said, two, when he threw that ball to Emmanuel Sanders, Emmanuel Sanders tried to dive to meet the ball at the ground. He was like, nah, you got two defenders coming in that can't hit you. You're supposed to stop on the dime, give them a big target, and get big. You know what I mean? Catch the ball and just know you're about to get hit. And that's something that definitely that Michael Thomas would have done. So I think that's going to definitely alter the way the whole offense looks. And it's going to make Drew Brees look worse than he actually did. Before we even had like a real discussion about Drew Brees on the podcast this season, already stated that last year we knew he couldn't throw the ball downfield because anytime they really wanted to go deep like that often, they brought in Taysom Hill. Right. So that was evident. Right. So <clears throat> that's just me shooting them a little bit of bail, but that's I'm just not shooting them shit. <laughs> Fuck them. So now <laughs> let me get to the other side of the ball. Because I, def- I definitely have to give the Raiders credit for how they play. That was all Raiders. And to me, that is definitely starting to show that the investment in Gruden was worth it. Because when I look at everything that happened last year with hard knocks, I was really invested into that hard knock season because it was cool to see how Gruden was doing certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting in seeing the cockiness of, uh, of Abrams, you know, and, and being a young rookie. And unfortunately, he got hurt. And then it looked like he was about to be hurt again last night when he crashed into the little yeah. camera stanchion thing, thing. But thank God he was all right. But um, at the end of the day, they're looking more like a team. Like it, it used to always be about Derek Carr or Khalil Mack or Amari Cooper or a particular player. And now they just a unit. Like, it doesn't matter. It could be Jacobs. It could be Waller. It could be Carr that's really getting it off. It could be somebody on the defense that's doing something. But regardless, they all had this nasty accountability. All mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you see it. Like, you see John Gruden on the sideline. Just, it's there, man. That's how a football coach is supposed to look. I can't stand, your football coach better be doing one or two things. If he's stoic like Bill Belichick, he better be talking. He better just be yapping. You know what I'm saying? When I see him on the sideline, I need to see you talking. Or I need to see you in it, man. I need to see that passion. You know? We're getting neither one of those from Dan Quinn. Just <laughs> neither one of those. But, but um, nah, man, props to the Raiders and man, they're looking like a they're looking like a real a real problem over there, man. Pass them them can't afford to slip. What well, I'm about to say with the AFC <laughs> West is looking, it might be a two-team race from here on out. Yeah, man. And that's the thing about it. This is the perfect opportunity to sneak up on people, man. Like, um, you know, I mean, we're not going to get too far into the game, but just like that Chargers game, man, that was a game for for them to steal, you know, and Mm -hmm. unfortunately they let uh, Kansas City do, you know, Kansas City. Like they they threw the ball far and just made something happen. Right. At the end of the day, man, I think what people are going to have to start doing, they're going to have to start popping Kansas City. You know, you don't have oh, to you gotta hit them in the mouth. Cause they're yeah, they're they're the, they're a finesse team like uh the Falcons. They're finesse. Yeah, man. It's it's a lot of that going on, man. And I see a lot of just free running and happiness and you gotta hit some hoes, man. So you gotta basically to you gotta basically like hit like Keanu Neal was hitting the other day. Yeah. You gotta yeah. take it take their head off in a legal manner. Yeah. yeah. Or you won't get fined. And then they'll 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 chill on the celebrating and the happiness and smiles. Like, oh, we can't just be out here tiptoeing all pretty. We got to keep our head on a swivel. 
Yeah, definitely. So it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out, man. Um, I want to give a shout out to Waller, though. He definitely, because I don't watch the Raiders. I have no interest in the Raiders at all. Yeah. But watching Waller cook, especially after hearing his story of how he was, you know, had his drug addiction battle and all of that, I was like, yo, I'm I'm a roofer dude. That was the dope part about watching that Hard Knocks last year. And for the people who didn't get to see it, I mean, it's only like four episodes. It might even be on YouTube now because that was last year's Hard Knocks. And, um, you know, they talked about Waller, man. They talked about, you know, all these people that are integral pieces now, like Renfro being a route runner, you know, all that stuff that happened, man. You see it. And it's just like, even though Jacobs came in and pretty much took Jalen Rashard's position, Jalen Rashard is still a, a part of that team. He's an integral piece on that team. And he scored a touchdown last night. And so you just see how they're like, they're really getting they're that starting shit. starting to jail, yeah. Yeah, man. And so it's going to be one of those teams that you just, you're not going to want to play him. You know what I mean? And soon Raider Nation is going to be like kind of how my 49ers were last year. You're going to start seeing a whole bunch of them. They've never been bashful, but you're going to start seeing a whole like, boy, you're a Raiders fan. I ain't know that. They're going to tell you, you know, it's always been silver and black. I'm just waiting to see at Allegiant Stadium blacked out with fans. Yeah. And that yeah. black hole come back. That's what yeah. I'm waiting on. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be dope, man. I, I want to see that, too. And um It'll be interesting, man. So yeah, we got to get to these picks because I gotta, I gotta something I want to say about one of these teams. It's gonna be one of my bold predictions. Okay, before we get to these picks, can we get in some college football news? Because we re- we really oh, don't. for sure. For we really sure. don't talk about college football in here like that, and we we should, but we don't yeah. because you know everything that's going on currently in the world. Yeah. But I'm gonna do something that I never thought I'd do. <laughs> because of the affiliation of this head coach, but I'm going to send prayers out to Florida State's coach, Mike Norvell, who was recently diagnosed with COVID-19. Yeah. And he will, unfortunately, won't be at the game to see his team get their ass whooped. Nope. But prayers out to him. Hope he has a speedy recovery. Yeah. I was wondering if our game was going to get postponed because you saw they, they postponed Wake Forest game because yeah. they tested seven players for COVID. So, I mean, fortunately, you know, hopefully everybody's all right, safe health-wise on both sides. And, yeah. you know, hopefully he, you know, prayers to him because this pandemic is crazy, man. So we don't we don't want to see anybody's health be in jeopardy at all. Speaking of uh, our team, did you see that turnover chain, boy? Yes, sir. That, Serious. I want that. I want that yeah. one. That joint was serious, and, and man, we we really did our thing on Louisville too, man. It was it was it was a good game. I enjoyed that. I'm a fan of De'Aaron King. He he yeah, balling. Yeah. He, balling. he proved he proved, he showed me a different part of his game this week. Yeah, he's definitely balling, man. Yeah. Speaking of the pandemic and everything, and you know, the Big Ten finally decided to restart. They plan to play October 23rd and 24th. Yeah. So our guy Side is gonna be happy about that because he's a Nittany Lion. Your boy's gonna be back in action. <laughs> we just gonna don't nobody care about the don't nobody care about Penn State, man. I mean, hey, he's a Penn State fan, man. Got he gotta represent him too, man. Hey man, that's all good, man. If you go come with a school, man, come with somebody that's got some pedigree that I rock with. <laughs> hey, I ain't arguing that. Like I said before, that's his team, that's who he chooses to support. Hey man, listen. He could have. He had an easy out, man. The whole Joe Paterno, Jay Sandusky stuff, man. He could have picked him a good team, man. Got the hell up out of there. I mean, that's like saying that's the leave when we had all those sanctions and shit. Man, that was about money. That wasn't about no kids. <laughs> you right, but we wasn't angels either, though. 
Man, that was about money. They was not no kids. <laughs> oh, fuck it, right? <laughs> yeah. Get out of here, man. There's some children's stuff, man. It's disgusting. Get away from there. It is disgusting. Get away from there. It is disgusting. <laughs> but, but anyway, man, I digress, man. People got their degrees and stuff from Penn State, man. Salute, you know. Yeah, yeah. But it ain't the Canes, though. Nah, man. Nah. Nah. Yeah. But yeah. Let's not. Let's not. Let's not. Let's not. Let's not. Because you're going to have me go down this list. It's too long. Famous James. Bum ass. Famous James. Bum ass. Don't don't get me started. But yeah, man. All right. That's all all the college football news. Oh, no, 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 no. We got one more, man. Congratulations to Deion Sanders, head coach. Oh, yeah. I can't see. I can't salute him like I want to because he's a Seminole. Hey man, it's over. He ain't that no more. But damn, he's my guy because Jackson State here in Mississippi now man got respected. There was a slight, there was a slight rumor out there that I I haven't been able to confirm, but they were trying to say that T.O. and Warren Sapp were coming on as coaches, but that seemed to be like fake at the moment. So we'll probably we'll update that next week. Yeah, we'll hold tight. But man, congratulations to Deion Sanders. It's really dope to see a lot of these coaches move to HBCUs, man. A lot yeah. of people put their cachet behind it. I'm surprised that a bigger school didn't try to get him, but respect. I'm happy that he's he's with the HBCU. Listen, that's gonna bring notoriety to, to, to them and it's gonna hopefully definitely get, get more eyes on the HBCUs in general. They're definitely gonna air their games on some version of ESPN, whether it's ESPN News, ESPN three, something. That's yeah. that's prime time. Mm-hmm. You're gonna see prime up there. Hopefully, I wish I wish him all the success. <clears throat> more success comes more coverage. For sure. Definitely. Comes a, a shift and change where these coaches yeah. might start looking at HBCUs. Definitely. Definitely. So congrats to our guy, Dion. Mm-hmm. Well, more so my guy than you. Well, he's your guy too. Because you play for the Niners. Yeah, you want to you want a Super Bowl with us? Yeah, yeah. All right. No, I bet we're prime. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, let's get to these picks. We are currently, uh, me and Asada are currently two games back. Boy, I smoked y'all this week. <laughs> man, man. No, I'm messing with you. So, so uh, Russ here is twenty three and seven, and Asada and I are nineteen and eleven. Yeah. Going into week three. Yeah, y'all ain't far behind, man. But that was a good week, man. I, I think I feel I feel like I pulled the fourteen and two. If I I know I only had two losses. I didn't. And, I didn't. I didn't check my wins ago. And and the crazy part about it is one of those losses was me picking the Falcons, which I still think y'all should have won that game. But I mean, you know, respect. I take two L's, man. It's whatever. <laughs> man. Can we just can we just do something right in Atlanta, man? Hey, man, you gotta get you gotta fire Dan Quinn, man. You gotta get him out of there. But this has been happening before Dan Quinn. I can't even put it all on Dan because we lost to y'all after blowing a seventeen point lead. Was Dan Quinn won't it? No, that was Mike Smith. Oh, that was Smith, the old Jags D coordinator that was y'all y'all coach for a minute. Yeah, yeah that that's was right. Smith. And then that's what made you go get Dan Quinn because that's the Dan Quinn that we lost to. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there's a lot of good coaches out there, man. I don't know what they're doing. Look, Eric Bieniemy, go get him. <laughs> go get him. He's there. He's there. He's he's not gonna turn down the weapons. Yeah, no, not at all. I don't think anybody would turn down that franchise. To be perfectly honest with you, not the way that it's constructed. No, no. But let, let's get to these picks finally. Okay. So, Dolphins, Jaguars. I picked the Dolphins reluctantly. 
So, yeah, I picked him reluctantly. I don't know who's really going to win out of that one. It's a crapshoot, but whatever. 49ers-Giants, I picked the Niners. I really don't believe in the Giants. Even though 49ers are really, really banged up, I still think they have a better team. <laughs> Bengals and Eagles, I picked the Bengals the last two weeks, and it bit me in the ass. So I'm going to reluctantly choose the Eagles. Because <laughs> they don't look hot either. So... It's it's either or with that word. Raiders and Patriots, even though the Raiders did look good, I believe the Patriots are going to get one at home, especially with the way Cam has been looking. Rams and the Bills, as I told aside, the Bills had two cupcake games against the Jets and the Dolphins, and the Rams are a better team on paper, even though I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and shit on the Bills because they have improved offensively, but I just believe no one on that offensive line can handle Aaron Donald and no one in the secondary. No one in the offensive uh, receiving core is going to be able to stop Jalen Ramsey from doing what he can do. So I'm going with the Rams on that one. Mm-hmm. Bears versus Falcons, despite the mishaps of the past two weeks, I'm still going to run with my boys. We're at home. Hopefully we can get a W. As I said earlier in the podcast, if we lose this one, I'm checking out. Y'all can hold me to that next week, but I'm picking my boys. Texas and Steelers, Deshaun has been struggling this year. And the Steelers have, have gotten it done when they need to. So I'm going with the Steelers. Titans and Vikings. The Vikings have surprisingly disappointed this year so far. And I believe the Titans are just going to, with all the losses that the Vikings took on the defensive side of the ball, they won't be able to handle Derrick Henry, in my opinion. So I picked the Titans. Washington versus the Browns. I kind of like the way Washington is looking, and this is going to be a good test for them. So I, I picked Washington. That might bite me, bite me in the ass going forward, but we'll just see. We'll see. I don't know. Jets and Colts. I'm going to pick the Colts. They have the better team. The Jets are a dumpster fire right now. Panthers versus Chargers. Justin Herbert didn't look too bad this week. I don't believe Tyrod will be back. So, and the Panthers, they just lost Christian McCaffrey. They have no offense going forward. So, I'm picking the Chargers. Buccaneers and Broncos. The Bucs obviously have the better team. And the Broncos just lost their starting quarterback. So, I'm going with the Bucs. Cowboys and Seahawks, given the fact that the Cowboys had to fight the way they did to beat us, and we don't have that great of a defense, and the Seahawks have a much improved defense from the last few years, and the way Russ has been going, I'm going with the Seahawks. Can't see them losing that game. Lions versus Cardinals, for reasons that we mentioned earlier with the Cardinals, I'm picking the Cardinals because the Lions are another dumpster fire. Now, Packers and Saints, this is probably the toughest game. No, this is the second toughest game of the week to me. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Aaron Rodgers has been on a mission mm-hmm. And the Saints look vulnerable this last game mm-hmm. Not to say that the Packers defense is stout But the way Aaron Rodgers is going I believe he's going to get the job done So I'm picking the Packers And the hardest game to pick from this week The Chiefs versus the Ravens Rematch of the playoff matchup last year <sighs> I'm going with the Chiefs. Going with the Chiefs because they had a down week last week, but their offense is going to get it together. They're going to you know, hit their stride, and I don't know if 
Baltimore has the offensive firepower to keep up. So those are my picks. I respect it. I respect it. Everything seemed to be sound. Um, <clears throat> Thursday, yeah, Miami at Jacksonville. Yeah, I don't know who decided to schedule that one. I don't know, man. That was a <laughs> yeah. But I got Jacksonville for the record. Mm-hmm. Okay, Chicago at Atlanta. I got Atlanta. I think y'all are the better team. I think y'all played two tough teams. I think in retrospect, a lot of people look at the Dallas Cowboys team a little bit differently. And, um, you know, that loss was just unfortunate. And sometimes you got to learn life lessons the hard way. So, you know, when you get an opportunity to beat up on somebody, you got to do that. I think Atlanta will win convincingly, honestly. But uh, the next game will be the Rams at Buffalo. Listen, man. For the foreseeable future, I'm probably not picking against an NFC West team unless it's playing another NFC West team. We got the Rams. I think they're going to smoke Buffalo in Buffalo. And I think all that Josh Allen talk and all that other stuff that people have been saying is going to look a lot different. A lot different. No disrespect to everybody in Buffalo. It's not every day that you have Aaron Donald in your face. Man, no. No, sir. Uh Uh-uh. Not the way he's flinging people around. Grown man. They got to get it. They got to get it together. And I think, man, they just on the warpath. Washington at Cleveland, man, I'm going to tell you like this. I'm going to roll with Cleveland. And Washington is a really good team. Um, I respect everything that they're doing defensively. I like Chase Young. I like Sweat, you know, Montez Sweat, all these other people that's playing, man, on the defensive end. I just don't believe in Haskins yet. It's nothing about Haskins that I've seen on the pro level that makes me say, oh, shoot, man, Haskins be cooking. I don't like it. And so I think that It'll be a closer game, but I believe that Cleveland will be able to pull that off. Tennessee okay. at Minnesota, man, I never pick against Minnesota at home, but this is my first week that I'm going to just do it. They just don't look right. And, you know, they got Clowney over there. Tennessee is playing some real heavy football right now. If Minnesota were to win, I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm going with Tennessee. We got Vegas, the Vegas Raiders at the New England Patriots in New England. Uh, I'm going with New England because that's just what I do. Like, there's certain teams and there's certain explanations that I I don't have to really give. But my main thing is it's kind of like a mojo thing. There's certain people that when they play in a certain place, the games just feel like they're for them. And New England is one of those places, Tom Brady or not. So I'm going with the Patriots. But I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Raiders were able to pull this off. San Francisco at the Giants, man. If we run out Nick Mullins and half of the reserves, I still think we've beaten the Giants, especially with no Saquon. If we lose to them with no Saquon, I'm going to be mad about that. And Sterling Shepard is injured as well. Yeah, man. Like, nah, that field is treacherous. It's butt. You know what I'm saying? We chilling in West Virginia right now, just staying on the East Coast. We going right back up to New York, handle business, and get back out of there. So I'm going with the 49ers, of course. Cincinnati at Philly. I'm going with Cincinnati, man. I seen Joe Burrow look too fresh these first two games and a loss. And that man said he ain't never lose two times in a row. I'm sure he ain't trying to kick it to three. And Philly just don't look good. And I know that they're in Philly, but that fan situation ain't what it's supposed to be right now. So I'm picking Cincinnati. Mm. Houston at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's been on a roll. Pittsburgh looks really good. They're quiet. A lot of people will be talking about them in the next couple of weeks as being that one of those teams. Pittsburgh, I got them winning that easily. Um, the Jets at Indy, you said it best, man. Jets are dumpster fire. Indy's been looking solid. Indy. Carolina at the Chargers. Uh, same thing you said, man. I'm going with the Chargers, man. Justin Herbert didn't look bad at all. They lost Christian McCaffrey. It ain't really nothing for me to pick. Carolina pulls it off cool, but ain't really nothing to talk about. Tampa Bay at Denver. Didn't believe in Drew Locke. Definitely don't believe in Driscoll. They signed Blake Bortles. They're just fucking stupid in Denver. <laughs> 
so I'm not. I don't, even, I don't even want to talk about that. They don't even want to look at Kaepernick, but you about to sign Blake Bortles. You deserve to get fired. Fuck them. So they out of here. Tampa Bay, <laughs> Detroit, and Arizona. I got Arizona, man. Like I said, NFC West, man. Tough squad, brother. Like just tough squad. Dallas at Seattle, man. Listen, <laughs> Seattle, <laughs> NFC West, man. I'm not, I'm not going against it. You know, Dallas and, and Seattle they usually have pretty good games. They play each other tough, man. So I hope it's a good game. I hope it's solid, but I don't see anything that Dallas did that makes me think they could beat Seattle. Green Bay at New Orleans. Now, in a normal circumstance, I would pick Aaron Rodgers to win this game just if I'm looking at these teams blindly. But it's something about New Orleans when they play in New Orleans that has that mojo. Similar to what I'm talking about with New England earlier. The games that they play in that dome, unless they're playing a division game, seem to really just go their way. It's only a Falcons, a Buccaneers, a Panthers that can come in there and make the shit look stupid. But if it's another team, it's just a weird traveling route for Green Bay to come down, straight down to go to New Orleans. Got New Orleans winning that game. Kansas City at Baltimore. Here's my other rule. If you're the best team in the league because you won the Super Bowl, because you got a good record and everything, I don't pick against you until you lose. If you're undefeated, I just can't pick against you. So I'm picking Kansas City. With that said, my bold prediction is Baltimore is going to the Super Bowl. I feel like Baltimore is that good. <clears throat> I feel like Lamar Jackson and them boys are on a mission. The way I watched them play against Houston – it was just happening. You know how, like, you see one of those teams? It kind of felt like when I was watching the 49ers last year and a lot of people just weren't screaming our names from the mountaintops because mm-hmm. it was just, you know, it didn't look sexy. Back. Yeah. It, man, Baltimore, I know a lot of people like Lamar Jackson, and that's cool, but it's bigger than Lamar. Like, they just running all kinds of plays. Like, that Ingram touchdown, Ingram wasn't doing snap before that play. That was like a little fourth and inches, a third and inches type play. They snapped the ball directly to Ingram. He just runs in. Hollywood Brown's looking good. Their tight ends look good. So, in the AFC, man, I honestly, I could see them easily beating Kansas City and making it look like something. But more so than anything, I think Baltimore's a really tough squad. But I'm picking Kansas City because they're undefeated. Okay. All right. Side. Our third member, he picked the Dolphins and Jaguars. He picked the Dolphins. 49ers and Giants, he picked the Niners. Bengals and Eagles, he picked the Eagles. Raiders and Patriots, he picked the Patriots. Rams and Bills, he picked the Rams. Bears and Falcons, he picked the Bears. I respect that pick, too. Go ahead, my bad. Which one? That that Rams and, and Bills pick. That's that's tough, man. That's he, tough to do. He knows. He, he he's, a ra- he's a rational fan. That's tough. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's tough to bet against your team, especially when they're winning. But my fault, I ain't mean to yeah, mention. Yeah, you got Bears and Falcons. You picked the Bears. Texas and Steelers. You picked the Steelers. Titans and Vikings. You picked the Vikings. Washington and the Browns. You picked the Browns. Jets and Colts. You picked the Colts. Panthers and Chargers. You picked the Chargers. Bucks and Broncos. You picked the Bucks. Cowboys and Seahawks. You picked the Seahawks. Lions and Cardinals. You picked the Cardinals. Packers and Saints. You picked the Packers. And finally, Chiefs and Ravens, you pick the Chiefs. Yeah, man, it looks like there's only... um, It's only a few games that we differ on. Yeah, like all of us. And it's, you know, those games kind of can go either way, you know. Listen, I'm just hoping I'm just hoping we get a W in the column this week. (laughs) That's the the point that you... I, I, I know what that point feels like in the season. 
Mm-hmm. I know, like, I don't care what I don't care what I do in fantasy. I don't care a damn about these picks. No, I don't care about not at all. If we get this W, it's a great Sunday. <laughs> so I respect I, that. I really don't think people understand how much like your team losing on a Sunday affects the rest of your week, or at least the first oh, two or three days. Especially in the fashion that y'all lost it. Like, if you just lost the game, it would have just been like, oh man, yeah, we lost. Losing. But y'all were like the goats of the week, man. Like the, oh my God, how in the world do you not know the rules? Like, like oh, I, that I, is I, I, have, I have not watched ESPN or FS1 since Sunday. You don't, you don't want to. You don't want to. <laughs> you know what? I don't want to, but people are sending it to me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bro, I, I have a confession, man. When y'all were up, mm-hmm. I purposefully didn't hit you up because mm-hmm. I didn't want to jinx it, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's just the type of person I am. Like I, I'm like, damn, what are you up twenty to nothing? I'm about to hit you. Nah, I ain't about to say y'all killing or there's no way y'all <laughs> could lose that. I don't want to jinx it. Right. Then y'all do it, and then I'm like, I ain't about to hit him up because I ain't hit him up during the game. <laughs> I hate to be that because that's how you get cussed out in my book. You yeah. ain't say nothing to me yeah. all day long, and then as soon as we lose, you text me, man. <laughs> You like listen, it. listen. That happens. Like I'm not hit. I said, that, man, I'm not hitting them up. I'm gonna let us cool off. Like, nope. <laughs> that happened. As soon as we lost, my little brother, that's a Saints fan, hit me like, ha, ha, ha. Nope. I'm like, ooh, you little mother. They <laughs> <laughs> say nothing all day. Yep. Yeah, man. I'm a firm believer in that. If I'm gonna talk my job, I'm gonna talk it early. So yeah. 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 So see, I've got my, I got myself in trouble talking junk early too. Oh, yeah. I talk junk early. They end up winning. I just look sit here with a stupid egg on my face. Look. Hey, man. That was just a tough one, man. It's tough. It was. Hopefully, we don't have to endure that the rest of this season. I really do. Yeah, man. You got fired Dan Quinn. I'm predicting we fire him by week seven. Hopefully it's, not, hopefully, it's not too late by then. I wanted him fired after Sunday, but, you know, can't get my wish. Yeah, you know. They going to keep him. Yeah. Yeah. But on the next week, on the Chicago, like yeah. Bill Belichick would say. Yep. On the yep. week three. Definitely. So we appreciate y'all for tuning in. This was a little longer than normal because, you know, a lot took place this past weekend. But yep. this has been the Gridiron Guys. I'm your boy, Sean Pesos. And your boy, Russ Digi. Y'all be safe out here. Wear your mask. Wear your mask. <laughs> don't be like John Gruden and Sean Payton. You don't want to get fined. Yeah, that's 100 stacks. And 250 to the team. Woo. So nope. a lot of money right there, boy. Just put the mask on, man. Be like Andy Reid with the face shield. Make it just, look sweet. Just get a little foggy with it. That's all yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Breathing in that joke. <sighs> but yeah, we'll, we'll see y'all in uh, seven days. Y'all be safe out here. Deuces. Be blessed.